it's going to be worth a struggle. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's not. It's going to be worth once you can get to where you want to get to, you can have that freedom in your life. It will have been well worth it. And I would tell you to take some breaks. You got to refresh yourself just to kind of refresh, recharge the batteries. You have to take those breaks. You have to take a step away from your dream. You have to focus. And focus is the one that gets a lot of people because there's a lot of shiny objects all around us. And you chase the shiny objects thinking it's going to help you when the reality is it's not. You have to focus on what is going to help your next steps, what is going to help you where you are. Welcome to Star of the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Today is an episode that we've been waiting for for months because... I've got with me my co-host, the official co-host, Aloha Kamanzi Constable from Maui. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm on cloud 15. (laughs) All right. So there's a reason for that. We've been teasing this for a long time. We've been talking about concerts. We've been joking about Taylor Swift. And you finally had enough. You're like, I'm going to see Taylor Swift. And you did it. You did it. And so today, the topic of this podcast is how you starved the doubts to go from Maui all the way to Kentucky for one night to go see Taylor Swift in concert. So we got to hear this story. We got to talk about some of the takeaways because it sounded like the concert was more than just enjoying music. It sounded like there were some really good, deep things that Taylor talked about on that stage that's valid for your blog, for the Star of the Doubts listeners. So Kamanzi, let's just tell that story. You went to Taylor Swift, so let's, let's talk about it. Yes. Warning. Well, first of all, I t- come on, to you. What, what is the best concert that you've ever been to? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Taylor Swift, Louisville, Kentucky, 1989 world tour. And it was amazing. So if, yeah, if you don't want to hear about Taylor Swift, now is probably the time to tune out. <laughs> that's, uh, that's all we're going to talk about. So no, what, what ended up happening was I was speaking at the Reader's Legacy Awards and we've interviewed Ken Dunn, who is the founder of that. We've interviewed him here on the podcast and he graciously invited me to speak at this conference in Vegas. So I flew on a Monday from Maui. I got to Vegas, which the conference was, the conference was in Vegas. So I flew to Vegas initially and that was a flight from Vegas to San Francisco, San Francisco to Vegas. I was, I had a layover in Vegas for five hours. And so what I did was I stuck a dollar in the slot machine that's in the airport there. I won 23 bucks. I took that 23 bucks. I took it out. I had the ticket. I was running around the airport. Like I beat the house. I beat Vegas. Like I'm rich. I went to the woman. I gave her, I'm like, you know, my 23 bucks. I'm like, what do you think? I won 23 bucks. She's like, last week, somebody hit for a hundred thousand on one of those machines. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like that's not, it's not that impressive. <laughs> so from there I had to fly to, and so I got to Vegas at 1am. I left Monday at noon here in Hawaii. I got to Vegas at about 1am and I think they're in Pacific time. Then I flew from there to Atlanta, had a couple hour layover Atlanta, then Atlanta to Louisville. I got to Louisville at about 4.30 and the Taylor Swift concert was at 7.30. So I had time to get in, get to the hotel, which was about a block away from the Yum Center, which was where the concert was. And I had just enough time to take a shower and make sure the glitter on my shirt was all good because I had a a special shirt that my wife and my daughter and I designed. And on the front of it, it said Taylor's biggest fan in Maui and uh, Taylor's number one fan in Maui. 
And on the back of it, it said, I've flown 4,300 miles to relive 1989. And it was all in glitter and colors and all this. So I don't know if we're going to have any listeners after this one, Jared. <laughs> so I think we will. I think people want to hear this. <laughs> so I, I got, I had just enough time to get my shirt, make sure the glitter was good. I painted my face. I painted my hands. I had my stuff to be signed in case I got to meet Taylor. And I walked out and the guy at the front counter was like, dude, I'm like, dude, what? He's like, dude, are you going to the Taylor Swift concert? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, your face is painted and you have glitter. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's me. So I walked there with the rest of the Swifties and I saw, I mean, it was amazing, Jared. Like the front of the whole jump center was just like more people than I think I've seen in a long, long time. Just a ton of people. I had floor seats. So I was in the second row. I was right down there, like right, right by the stage. And Jared will testify because he's seen the pictures. I was right down there. And so to be able to bypass that line, to go to the floor seating, to walk down there, get in my seat, to look up and just see the rest of the stadium was empty. But to see how close I was, I was very excited. So it opened up with a person named Vance Joy, like an Australian singer who wasn't, he was pretty good. He was, he was rocking it on his guitar. You'd have been proud of him, Jared. You did a really good job. And then, of course, it was the intermission where they're showing all these Taylor videos and one-on-one Q&A and they're getting us hyped. And then right when she's getting ready to come on, they have they give you like these little lights that you wear on your, it's like a wristband, but it has lights. Right when she's getting ready to come on, the lights start going off and we all start going nuts. And sure enough, her singers start walking out of the bottom of the stage They start walking out and then Taylor comes out. And right when she came out, like I was sitting next to two 14 year old girls. They're, (laughs) they're screaming. They're like, Taylor, ah!" you know, going nuts. And I'm crying, Jared. I'm like, that's Taylor Swift. (laughs) I've loved Taylor. I'm just sitting there bawling away. And they're looking at say to that. Yeah. Well, I have to be honest with the Star of the House (laughs) listeners, right? All right. Can we still be friends? We can. Let's keep going. My first thought when I saw Taylor Swift was she's not as tall as I thought. So I don't, I guess I've never checked how tall she actually is, but she's always like, I don't know if you see, if you've seen her like with other people, you would look, think that she's tall, right? She looks taller than people, but she wasn't as tall as I thought, which was fine. But she came out and she did welcome to New York to start with, which was pretty, pretty amazing. And to see her walking the catwalk there right in front of me, like, I was just, I, I don't know, I was paralyzed. It was, it was, <laughs> it was strange. But um, of course, I got my phone up so I could record this because I wanted to show not only my daughter and my wife, but I want to show all my Facebook friends. It was like surreal after seeing somebody whose music you liked for so long, seeing them right there in person. And I would say the thing that surprised me, Jared, was that she sounded really good live. I've heard some speakers live and they don't sound good live <laughs> without all the auto-tuning and all that kind of stuff. But she sounded yeah. really, really good live. Her sound was really solid. And then two, some of the things that Jared had mentioned, one, the part of her stage comes up. It goes up probably about 50 feet in the air and it rotates. So she's on top of this this huge stage, like this huge catwalk. 
And the thing is rotating around the stadium. And she has a piano on one side and guitar on the other side. And she's walking back and forth and playing either instrument on this rotating stage, which was so, so surreal to see that, Jared. And then two was the the commentary that she was given. So I knew she was going to sing the songs, which was great. But in between some of those songs, she was just, it was really encouraging, like to all the dreamers, especially those that had dreams, where she was telling them, hey, you may not have lived your dream out, but that doesn't mean that you can't and you won't. Don't let that dream die. Keep chasing that dream. And she had encouraging messages like that, that were throughout the concert, which I thought, especially for some of the younger people there, I thought that's exactly what they needed to hear. And the concert, of course, it was fabulous. She had some wardrobe changes. They were very quick. The lights, the sounds, the way it was put together, the dancers, her dancers are absolutely incredible. I mean, those dudes, it was all men and they all can dance and they, they did a very, very good job. I thought it was a very good show. Uh, all right. So there are some things that Taylor talked about on stage. Let's talk a little bit deeper about that because Taylor's not just up there singing songs. Like she has a message and she is looking out for her fans and she wants people to, to kind of starve the doubts, if you will, to live and not just exist. So let's talk about some of those messages that she shared from stage that you feel like were uh, relevant for our listeners. Well, even her sharing her story of how she got started. And I don't think a lot of people know that she wanted to be a musician ever since she was young. Her parents moved to Nashville to support her and to support that dream. Now, when she was trying to get discovered, she had created, uh, she had a developmental deal with RCA, which I don't even know what that means, but I'm sure you could elaborate better. But pretty much what it means is we sign you, we're watching you, but we're not going to give you a record. So she had that developmental deal and it was coming time to renew that deal. And she decided she wasn't going to renew it. She wanted to go off on her own and see what what else was out there. So she went off on her own. She met some guy that had heard heard her playing at a cafe and said, I love you. I want to sign you to my record label. She said, great. What record label do you have? He said, well, I don't have one yet. (laughs) I'm forming one and I want you to be the first artist. But for whatever reason, she, this guy, I don't know, maybe she trusted him, whatever. She signed with this guy and they created her first CD. Now to get the word out about that CD, she did some pretty unconventional stuff where she would go to the radio stations in Nashville and she would bring the host cookies. And she said, the deal is while you eat your cookie, you let me play one song for you. If you like how it sounds, put me on the radio. And so they ate the cookie. She played the songs. They liked the songs. They would let her come and they would let her play in the radio station live there. And that's what she did. She just drove from radio station to radio station. That's how she got her first exposure. So that lesson of the support from the parents, of saying no to what could have been something with RCA and going off on her own, and then the hustle of going out there and playing for these radio stations, I thought was incredible. I love it, man. I think that's fantastic. So And and. It's so funny to me that you went through what you went through just to get to Louisville to be at that show. And <laughs> I, uh, I I don't think anybody could ever say you're not a true fan of Taylor Swift after all that. Well, yeah, because the show ended about I don't know, 10.30, 11-ish. And I mean, that that city was just filled with people because of that concert. So I go back to the hotel room. I sleep for... I couldn't sleep at first. It took about an hour after the concert to just sit there and process what just happened. <laughs> Jared, can we still be friends? <laughs> I, I don't even know where to go. <laughs> so, 
So yeah. it took an hour to process it and just look at the videos that I had and the pictures that I had. I slept for another couple hours and then I had to go to the airport and catch a flight back to Vegas. <laughs> All right, so the dust is settled. You've had at least uh, several days, a couple weeks to kind of process. So now, in retrospect, what are your thoughts on what you just did? Oh, Jared, dude, we forgot something important. It relates to the retrospect. I had brought all this. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I'm a podcaster, okay? I brought Uh, all this stuff to be signed, and I didn't get chosen to go backstage. But I did meet Taylor Swift's mom. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. I yeah. That. People started screaming. And I'm like, what are these people screaming about? I look over and sure enough, Taylor Swift's mom's there walking around. So I elbowed my way through some people. I'm like, could you tell Taylor I'm her biggest fan in Maui? And she's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll tell her. And those two 14-year-old girls that were screaming next to me, Jared, that were next to me screaming, they ended up getting picked to go backstage to meet Taylor. Taylor's mom gave her gave them backstage passes. And those two girls who were screaming, they weren't crying at first. When they got those backstage passes, they were like going to have a heart attack, Jared. Like they were hyperventilating. And it was pretty, it was cute to see that for them. But I did (laughs) get to see Taylor's mom, which was cool. So now that I've had um, time to think about it, I've had a lot of thoughts. You know, I have even more respect for Taylor Swift and her music. And I get it now, now that I've heard her talking about it. And she said that people often think that she's writing about breakups and boyfriends and all that. She said what she writes about and what the overall message of all of this is, is she writes about romance and she finds romance in everything. And so that's what she's writing about. But to see a stadium of 50,000 people all of them hanging on every one of her words, that really shows me what true influence is. We've seen people that have faked influence or they've given their self their own influence. I mean, we wrote a book called Stop Chasing Influencers, and that book isn't a shot at anybody. It's about creating influence yourself on your own, which is exactly what Taylor did. But she created that influence. She's got 50,000 people that are hanging on her every word. She's selling out every stadium. And she did it by starting from the beginning and hustling, just like all of us who are most people that are probably listening to this. So to see that and then what you do with that influence, because every day I'm seeing a story about what she's doing with that influence. I tagged Jared in something yesterday on Facebook about the things that she's doing with that influence and how she's giving back and she's helping people. So that idea of influence and who do I have in my life? Who do I influence in my life? And I think there's a few people that I influence in my life. And the question is, you know, what am I doing with that influence? What messages am I putting out there? Is it self-serving? Is this all about me? Or am I really making this all about them and helping people? And so that to me was just, it's been something I've been thinking about. The concert's been a couple of weeks ago, but thinking about what am I doing with the influence that I have and what am I doing to create influence in a positive way? I think that is a... Uh... A good summary, uh, Kamandi. I mean, you continue to do things that really encourage people to to think bigger and and take steps. And while we laugh about the Taylor Swift concert, I am glad that you got to do that, and I do think it's a cool story. So, do you think that event or that concert will have any impact in some of the articles or some of the stuff you're going to be writing in the future? Oh yeah, definitely. I've already written some about it, but you better believe I'm going to be writing more about it. 
But just the idea of being able to do that, Jared, I mean, I was delivering bread for 12 years. When I wanted to do something, it would maybe be on the weekend, maybe be for a Saturday night, Sunday, and that would be about it. That's all the time that I would have. But to be able to take a whole week and fly all over the country to go speak, to come back here to Maui, to do all of that, just that freedom, that is just priceless to me. Yeah, man. So I, I know myself and and I've talked to a number of people where we're going through, you know, day to day, just wondering, man, is this worth it? You know, this is so much effort, so much time, so much energy, a lot of sacrifice. So what encouragement do you have for that person out there who's saying, I want that freedom. I'm pursuing that freedom, but I just don't have it yet. And it seems like it might be a little beyond the reach. What do you say to them? I would say it's going to be worth a struggle. I know it sounds cheesy, but it's not. It's going to be worth once you can get to where you want to get to, you can have that freedom in your life. It will have been well worth it. And I would tell you to take some breaks. So don't go hardcore pushing all the time. And that's all you do. You got to take a step back every now and then. You got to refresh yourself. You got to take a week away. I know like Jared and I took a little bit of time away from Starve the Doubts, like a couple of weeks just to kind of refresh, recharge the batteries and come back stronger for you guys. So you have to take those breaks. You have to take a step away from your dream. You have to focus. And focus is the one that gets a lot of people because there's a lot of shiny objects all around us. I see this person doing this. I see this person doing that. And you chase the shiny objects thinking it's going to help you when the reality is it's not. You have to focus on what is going to help your next steps, what is going to help you where you are. And of course, uh, shake it off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the one one song I promised myself. I'm like, I'm not recording this. I'm not putting this out there. That's like, I mean, I like the song, but it's definitely my least favorite song from the CD. Well, here's something funny. Okay, so I was with Dan Franks and uh, Joey Kissimmee from Appendipity.com and we were at the Boston Red Sox game this past weekend because we were in Boston for the Podcast New England event. And we went to the Red Sox game and it's, uh, you know, I mean, a, a Red Sox game in most cases is heavily attended anyway. And then on top of that, it was Pride weekend in Boston. So, I mean, there's all types of people that are in town for that. And a lot of those people that are in town for Pride are also, you know, attending the baseball game. And <laughs> it was interesting because you know how in ballparks and stuff, they'll play music and people sing and, you know, get into it and they'll have the dance cam and stuff like that where they highlight different people in attendance that are dancing goofy or whatever. (laughs) And so what was funny to me is they play shake it off by Taylor Swift in Fenway park. Thousands of people, all walks of life, all types of diversity. You know what I mean? But yeah, people from it was uh, the Red Sox versus the Blue Jays. So there's a lot of Canadians there as well. And um, it was funny in this ballpark, this historic ballpark with thousands of fans there for the ball game of all types of genders and races and you know diverse backgrounds. They play Taylor Swift, Shake It Off. And I mean, that crowd erupted. <laughs> there were there were people every it seemed like everybody was singing that song and dancing. And I kind of soaked that moment in. I looked around. I was like, Kamanzi would be like super proud right now if you were at this ball game, even if that's not your favorite song. But to me, that was another testimony of, of the, the impact Taylor Swift has had is I'm at a baseball game. It has nothing to do with Taylor Swift, but they play her song and the entire crowd, what seemed like 
is jamming out and singing that song at the top of their lungs. And it's little kids, it's older adults, it's you know all walks of life that are into that. And I just thought, man, that is that is true influence right there. <laughs> like you can't fake that. Uh, yeah, she's pretty, kind of a kind of a cheesy but but a cool moment that uh, you know I wasn't at the concert, but being at a ballpark, you know, seeing that reaction, I, I thought that was pretty incredible. Yeah, that music is something that definitely unites us, and that's pretty cool to see. Cool. So if there's one song. On the 1989 album by Taylor Swift that people are like, I've just refused to listen to that. I'm not going to. But if Kamanzi recommends one song, I probably will go check it out. So what, what's that one song that we can leave in parting of this episode that you feel like would be an appropriate song for people to go check out? <sighs> just one, man. It's got to be one, man. It's got to be one. <laughs> All yeah, right. If it's just on. one, it would be number 13 on the album. And the title of the song is called Clean clean now that's interesting i thought you might say oh style or blank space or you know some of these songs that are on the radio but but that's a deeper track so why clean it speaks to i think a lot of the struggle that people go through and so like i'll give you a few of the lyrics here the drought was the very verse when the flowers that were grown together died of thirst it was months and months of back and forth you're still over me like a wine stained dress i can't wear anymore Hung my head as I lost the war, and the sky turned black like a perfect storm. Rain came pouring down, and when I was drowning, that's when I could finally breathe. And that morning, gone was any trace of you. I think I am finally clean. Interesting. And, and I think that's uh, something that um, anybody in a relationship can probably relate to that, or even not even a relationship, just a difficult life circumstance that you've gone through, and it was just it hurt you. It broke you. It was terrible. Just to be clean of that situation, I think, um, speaks a lot. Well, in a way that kind of applies to the freedom you're talking about. You went through a lot of diversity and, and challenges when you were losing the weight, when you were going from delivering bread to now experience that freedom in your lifestyle. And, and in a way that's, I guess that's, uh, you've been cleansed of the, the craziness. Yeah. Or, uh, but it or the, but it didn't happen overnight, right? Yeah. Or the haters shared. People that are hating on you. Well, you're, yeah, you're still getting the haters, though. Yeah. In fact, to talk about that real quick, I, I, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I will. Your wife actually messaged me the other day, and she's like, "Hey, I've got this person who, uh, you know, I'm I'm going to remove my contacts from, and and she had friended me, and she asked me to like consider not being friends with this person." <laughs> and I was like, hey, man, this person's a hater. Yeah, done. Delete. So I, I unfriended him. I didn't even ask. I was like, okay, I'm unfriending. So but to me, that was another sign. Like, you guys run into haters. Like, it's a common thing. Oh, yeah. It's definitely bound to happen. So that's why uh, when you get clean, you just you feel so much like a weight's lifted off your shoulder. Well said. Well, Kamanzi, I'm glad you got to do that event and that concert. And I love the story. I think it's funny. And there are some good takeaways from that. So I appreciate you sharing that today. Yeah, thanks for putting up with me and still being friends with me, <laughs> even though I just admitted to you that I was sitting there crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. All right, so come on, are you going to keep talking about Taylor Swift every episode now, or is this something like we've come clean now? We're we're clean of it. We I think I think we're clean, Jared. I think oh, clean. you heard it here. Yeah. All right, the Star of the Doubts listeners are saying, "Wow, you know, we'll see." They don't believe you. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kamazi, thanks again, man. Thanks. Uh, 
I had just enough time to get my shirt, make sure the glitter was good. I had painted my face. I painted my hands. I had my stuff to be signed in case I got to meet Taylor. And I walked out and the guy at the front counter was like, dude, are you going to the Taylor Swift concert? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, your face is painted and you have glitter. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's me. Podcast Movement 2015 is coming to Texas this summer, and we want you to be there. Join over 1,000 current and aspiring podcasters at the world's largest podcaster conference. Featuring Sarah Koenig of Serial, Roman Mars of 99% Invisible, Pat Flynn, Aisha Tyler, Lou Mangello, John Lee Dumas, and over 50 other speakers. All that's missing is you. Learn more and register now at podcastmovement.com. 